You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom-targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's guest, Dr. William Davis, uh, known to many of you as the author of Wheat Belly in the Wheat Belly series. Uh, there's a bunch of books, including uh, recipe books uh, that are part of the Wheat Belly Revolution that was launched a couple of years ago. Uh, he's taken it a step further with a new book entitled Super Gut, Reprogram Your Microbiome to Restore Health, Lose Weight, and Turn Back the Clock. And Dr. Davis, do you have a website where people can get a little bit of a preview of this? I, I just uh, we just launched a new website. It used to be Wheat Belly Blog, which was visited 33 million times, but now it's called Dr. Davis Infinite Health, just to accommodate the, as you point out, the number of different titles of books. Okay, great, great stuff. So you're a cardiologist. So. Uh, it, Give us a little background on, on how you made the career progression from straight cardiology. You know, I presume you, you know, you, you know, had the fellowship and, you know, you did uh, bread and butter medicine uh, for many years. And then uh, perhaps you had an epiphany that mm, there was there was more to it than just uh, applying uh, medications and cathing people, uh, inserting stents and so on. Well, one of the big turning points for me was many years ago. When my mom died, uh, she lived in New Jersey at the time, and she died of sudden cardiac death after a two-vessel coronary angioplasty. That is the mm -hmm. disease, the process that I did every day. But it was an, a vivid illustration to me that trying to manage a disease in a, in a procedure laboratory is, is a really bad way to do things. You, you don't get to people like my mom. They die at home or they die on route or they get very ill. And so – I asked myself back then, is there a way to predict that kind of thing, not hours before, but years before, five years, ten years? Back then, this remains true today, the only way is to get a CT heart scan for to generate a coronary calcium score. Because the science tells us that when you have atherosclerotic plaque, that's the stuff that accumulates in coronary arteries, 20% of the volume is occupied by calcium. And we can quantify calcium on a CT scan. Mm -hmm. And so if you have... Uh, two cubic millimeters of calcium, you've got 10 cubic millimeters of plaque. And so we started scanning people left and right in Wisconsin. This is one of the first scanners in the Midwest and, and even in the country. And back, this is back now 25 years or so. And back then, someone would have a positive score, say, of 300. And if we did nothing, which is not wise, but if you did nothing, we helped publish these data, the score goes up 25% a year. So 300 
375, four, whatever, and you get closer and closer to dying or having a heart attack or developing symptoms that uh, require procedures like stent implantation or bypass surgery. Well, uh, so back then, I told people, let's put you on a high dose of Lipitor and aspirin yeah. and a low-fat diet Stand and exercise through. program. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, my colleagues to this day call optimal medical therapy. Well, we help publish those data. Uh, if you do that, optimal medical therapy, your score goes up 25% per year. It has zero impact mm -hmm. on that measure. And so people are going crazy. They're saying, what do I do? My score is going up and going up. Of course, some of my colleagues will use that and drag people into the cath lab and inappropriately insert stents or do other things like that. And that, sadly, that's not uncommon. But I wanted a better answer. So I started to do a lot of trial and error and just reasoning to what would work. And I stumbled on a number of things. One, by the way, is vitamin D. When I added vitamin D and tried to achieve a 25-hydroxy vitamin D blood level of 60 to 70, it was the first time I saw coronary calcium scores plummet. Hmm. 900 could become 430 or something like that. But one of the other things I, I looked at was rather than looking at lipids like cholesterol, we looked at lipoproteins. I think, sadly, a lot of people have forgotten that lipids or cholesterol testing was meant to be a very crude and indirect way to quantify the lipoproteins in the bloodstream. Well, we can measure lipoproteins. And I'd been, I'd, I've done this for over 20 years. And you can characterize what the lipoprotein, the fat-carrying proteins in the bloodstream look like. And you'll see that People who have coronary disease, whether it's a bypass surgery or heart attack or three stents or a positive coronary calcium score, virtually 100% of them have an excess of small LDL particles. Uh, for instance, if you did an NMR type lipoprotein mm -hmm. test, you'd see people start with maybe 2,000 nanomoles per liter, particle count per volume. They Well, there's only two things in the diet that cause that. It's not fat, mm -hmm. grains and sugars. So this goes back many years. I asked people, let's give it a try. You have a heart high score or you, you had a heart attack or, uh, or had bypass surgery and you have an excess of small LDL particles. Let's give this a try. They did it. And they'd come back and their small LDL would drop from 2000 to zero or something close to that. It wasn't 10 or 20 or 30 percent better. It was eradicated. But that's when people started to tell me all the other experiences like you didn't tell me I'd lose 63 pounds. <laughs> you didn't tell me I'd have to stop the blood pressure medication. Uh, you didn't tell me I'd have to stop the insulin and my Bieta injections and my metformin because my blood sugars were going too low. In other words, I stumbled for coronary purposes on uh, this really spectacular way to regain health. And so that led to all these other projects. Indeed. Uh, do you feel that there's a linkage between the microbiome and, and cardiovascular disease, uh, that in some ways the composition of your intestinal tract uh, or the condition of your brush border, uh, which is sometimes damaged by uh, dysbiosis or bad balance in your intestinal tract, has an impact on the coronary arteries? Yeah, we need better data. That's that's still very preliminary stuff. But I, I believe we could argue that dysbiosis and other forms of disrupted microbiome composition uh, also contributes to atrial fibrillation and aortic disease. And in fact, I would argue that virtually every human chronic disease that we're all familiar with, 
from type 2 diabetes to obesity to coronary disease, all have to be reconsidered in light of the microbiome. One of the most important discoveries in the microbiome comes from uh, a Belgian group, Dr. Patrice Kenny, and in 2007, he finally identified what a lot of us had suspected for a long time, and that is the process called endotoxemia. And all that means is when you have microbes living in your colon that turn over rapidly, when they die, a lot of those breakdown products enter the bloodstream. That's the process of endotoxemia. And that's extremely toxic, but explains how a disrupted microbiome can be expressed as a skin rash, like rosacea or psoriasis, or in the brain as depression or Lou Gehrig's disease or dementia, in the joints as rheumatoid arthritis. But it gets even worse than that because I think one of the other, I was guilty of really underestimating this process, and that's the process of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, a situation where stool microbes, E. coli, Klebsiella, Pseudomonas, have proliferated and then ascended up into the ileum, jejunum, where they don't belong, duodenum and stomach. Pardon me? Where they don't belong. Yep. Where they, exactly, where they don't belong. And the colon has a very vigorous two-layer mucus barrier. The small bowel has a much more fragile single-layer mucus barrier. And so when microbes, now 30 feet of microbes, turning over rapidly, of course, they only live a few hours. They don't live 70 years. So they turn over rapidly, and it's a flood of breakdown products into the bloodstream. And so now that we have a consumer device, it's called AIR, A-I-R-E, came out about two years ago that tests for the gases that microbes produce. Hmm. We can now map this process out. And I was shocked when I started having people test themselves. You don't have to do this to do, but it's it's a way to confirm whether you have this process called SIBO. And it allows you to map out where in the GI tract your microbes are. And to my great surprise, this process, SIBO, that I used to think was rare, is everywhere. In hmm. fact, I think conservatively estimated, conservatively estimated, 100 million Americans have it. You say one this is available as a, as a consumer device now, because normally what we do is we uh, uh, do a test in the office with an expensive machine that we buy or lease, and then we have patients blow into, into the machine, or we give them a kit where they blow into bags, and then they send the bags off via FedEx to the laboratory for analysis, you know, a gas chromatography to see whether they're expelling a lot of hydrogen or methane. But the, this is something where, which you can uh, do at home? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed you know about those tests. Yeah, well, but yes, I do them a, routinely. Get yourself yeah. at home. Yeah. It's wow. a couple hundred dollars. So it's uh -huh. not, as you know, it costs a few hundred dollars just to do the test in the office. Sure. sure. But in this case, you can buy it for about $200. It was invented by an Irish engineer, a PhD engineer, Dr. Angus Short, young guy. And he invented it because he watched his uh, fiance, now wife, struggle with her irritable bowel syndrome when she was put on a low FODMAPS diet. And he saw how tough it was. Yep. So he invented this device to detect hydrogen gas in the breath because hydrogen gas goes up when you inadvertently get exposed to those FODMAPS, essentially fibers and sugars. Well, when it came out, he, he intended this device to serve that little niche, that is people with IBS who are trying to navigate a low FODMAPS diet. Well, I got a hold of the device <laughs> and it became clear what this was. It was not just that. It's a device essentially to measure SIBO, wow. uh, map out where the microbes are. It's also a way to navigate, uh, identify the cause of food intolerances. 
uh, people have intolerances to FODMAPs, of course, to legumes, to nightshades, mm -hmm. to all kinds of fructose, sorbitol, all kinds of intolerances nowadays. This tells you it's caused by the microbiome. Wow. So it's very easy to use. What's it calls your smartphone. It's called Air, A-I-R-E, and the company is called Food Marble. Okay. So I'm going to give now, our, their newest our device a just came out. The, the newest device just came out, literally within the last few days, and it measures now hydrogen gas and methane yeah. for uh, so-called methanogenic overgrowth. Which is more associated with constipation uh, as opposed to diarrhea. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah, great step. Wow, that's a, that's a clinical pearl that you're sharing with me because I wasn't even aware of that. Thanks for <laughs> bringing me up to date on it because that, that I think that's a real uh, patient empowerment tool because they can then, uh, you know, just like they can monitor their blood sugar at home uh, or do, uh, you know, home uh, COVID tests, uh, they can check themselves yeah. for SIBO. And, and, you know, rather than having them uh, do expensive lab tests uh, periodically, uh, they can actually perhaps challenge themselves with a new food and see if their body is, is doing well with it uh, if they want to I reacquire think, uh, part of their diet. You, you may recall the days before we had finger stick glucose yep. devices when people used to dip their urine. It was horrible. Yeah. People with type 1 diabetes were having uh, complications in their 20s and 30s, kidney failure, blindness, etc. And if you had a three-year-old, for instance, playing in the backyard and she passes out. Well, is her blood sugar 900 and she's yep. going to diabetic acidosis or is it 30 mm -hmm. and she's going to go and have brain damage? Well, you, you can't very well dip the urine. So when uh, finger stick glucoses came out, it was a game changer. I, I think the air device is a, is a game changer for intestinal health. It's going to change how we view and how we manage intestinal health. Well, that's really fascinating. Uh, so when it comes to the arsenal of things that are helpful for reestablishing an optimal microbiome, you know, obviously diet matters, prebiotics uh, from certain foods, polyphenols, uh, among which I guess are, are things like resveratrol and cocoa. They actually work in the in the GI tract. But are there are certain herbs that you sometimes give patients perhaps to suppress the bacterial overgrowth? Are you, are you into that? And do you talk about it in your book? Yeah, you know, up until, so let's say we have uh, identified either a case of severe dysbiosis confined to the colon or SIBO, that means all 30 feet have disrupted microbiome, including proliferation of unhealthy species. Well, there's a number of ways to, to approach this, as you know. One would be a conventional antibiotic, which most people want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Well, there they, are they use that. I mean, Cyfaxin, for example, is a, is a blockbuster drug that uh, gastroenterologists often prescribe for irritable bowel syndrome. It, it works only in the GI tract. It doesn't get absorbed. So it's supposed to kill off the bad guys and leave the good guys. Exactly. So rifaximin mm -hmm. was compared to two herbal. And I was very skeptical, to be honest, that yeah. herbal antibiotics had any role because they're kind of haphazardly concocted. They're kind of just slapped together and called an antibiotic. And that's not how antibiotics should be created. But there's a study from Hopkins that compared rifaximin to two herbal antibiotic regimens, the candibactin regimen and the fc subtle dysbiocide regimen. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the herbal antibiotics outperformed the rifaximin. Yep. The rifaximin in this study was only about 43% effective. And the herbal antibiotics not only outdid the rifaximin, but also uh, were successful in the rifaximin failures. So that's what we were doing for a while until – I asked a different question. You know, if you take a conventional probiotic, 
to eradicate, let's say, SIBO. It doesn't really work. It might reduce bloating a little bit, might reduce a little diarrhea, but it doesn't get rid of the problem. But no surprise, the, the probiotic was not crafted to be effective against SIBO. So I asked a different question. I said, what if we curate our choice of microbes for species that take up residence in the small bowel? That's where SIBO is, of course. And let's choose species that are known to produce what are called bacteriocins. These are peptide antibiotics that bacteria produce effective against the species of SIBO. So I made something, I, and this is preliminary, we've only done it about 30 people. Uh, we make something called SIBO yogurt. And it's three microbes. It's a strain of Lactobacillus gasseri. Gasseri is a bacteriocin powerhouse, produces up to seven bacteriocins, and it, and it colonizes the upper GI tract. Uh, our old friend Lactobacillus rotari, likewise colonizes the upper GI tract, produces up to four bacteriocins. And I threw in some bacillus coagulants. Because uh, that's also had a lot of Which positive is, effects on it. Isn't that a spore-based uh, spore uh, probiotic? It is a spore-based, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So make a yogurt out of it for men for 36 hours. Makes a delicious yogurt. And so far, 90% of people who've consumed this yogurt for four weeks have converted from H2 positive in the breath to H2 negative. So it's still preliminary. Wow. Wow. We'll probably wow. perform a small trial down the road to validate this. But I think... I think so far, across my fingers, I think we've stumbled on something that's very important and very easy to do and very benign. Wow. And it, so it, it may outperform uh, some of these things like berberine and oregano that are in, in these uh, formulas that are designed to suppress the growth of bad bacteria. You actually outcompete the bad bacteria with good bacteria in this uh, with the yogurt. Exactly. You rely on them to clean things up. We, we do use berberine and some of the essential oils uh, and some other things for fungal overgrowth. That's another issue for a lot of people. Uh, there's not a whole lot of data, but the best data tells us about, uh, about a third of the people um, who have SIBO also have CFO, the small intestinal fungal overgrowth. And I think that's becoming, I don't know why, but I think fungal overgrowth is becoming a really widespread problem yep. because it seems to respond to people with, with eczema, for instance, or sugar cravings mm -hmm. uh, seem to respond really well to these efforts at uh, suppressing fungal overgrowth. Well, it's all about that uh, yeast connection that uh, gained uh, popularity in the, in the 70s. Uh, at the beginning of my medical career. And, you know, now we're coming full circle. We're recognizing that it's part and parcel of that imbalance that causes a lot of systemic problems. You know, a lot of the things that were talked about back then, like fungal overgrowth, candida overgrowth, um, our, uh, intestinal leakiness, a lot of this has gained validation in the last few years. So we, we now know that intestinal leakiness or increased intestinal permeability is a bona fide process. It's been documented. It's been shown many, many times, and it's proven to be a very important process in uh, literally hundreds of common health conditions. One of the uh, probiotics that's getting some buzz lately is uh, Ackermansia, uh, and it's thought to be uh, the holy grail of probiotics because it's the weight loss probiotic, and a lot of people say, I'm going to grab me some of that. It, it, are you... In that camp, uh, do you think it that has uh, credence? I think Acromantia is very interesting, but I think so. There is a commercial product that you can buy for about two hundred dollars a month Pricey. to uh, increase your Acromantia. But what's not people aren't being told is 
95% of people already have acromancia. 5% don't. So the 5% maybe can benefit by taking an acromancia probiotic. But 95% of people already have acromancia. It might not be at ideal levels. Ideal is probably about 5% of the entire microbiome. Some people have 2 or 3%. Well, all you got to do is follow a, a regimen that increases acromancia, which, by the way, occurs within 24 hours. All people have to do is make sure they're getting the FOS or inulin prebiotic fiber, fructooligosaccharide. The oleic acid of extra virgin olive oil is another great stimulator mm-hmm. of acromancia. Uh, in other words, just by feeding the bacteria like acromancia. Now, acromancia also has a dark side. So these people who go on ketogenic diets and carnivorous diets, for instance, but don't mind their intake of prebiotic fibers and related things. One of the peculiar things is when you starve, when you don't take in prebiotic fibers, bacteria start to diminish in numbers and die off, but not acromancia. So you may recall acromancia's full name is acromancia mucinophila, mm-hmm. mucus lover. Yes. So when, when you go on a ketogenic diet, for instance, and you fail to take in prebiotic fibers, acromancia has the ability to consume human mucus. Ooh. And it increases to comprise 10%, 12%, 15%, 18%, 20% of the entire microbiome, and it starts to eat you. Right. <laughs> and it's, people it's get colitis from protective it. protective mucus layer. Yes, yes. So it's great. Under the right circumstances, it's terrible under <laughs> the wrong circumstances. And uh, I'm a little bothered by this people selling the uh, acromancia probiotic because people are going to pay for it, mm-hmm. not recognizing that you could get the same kind of effect for about $3 a month of a prebiotic fiber. So it's too much of a good thing, potentially. Uh, well, <laughs> right. th- this is all really fascinating, and you're going to find uh, a lot more detail in the new book. It's just about to be published. Uh, you can pre-order. It's Super Gut, Reprogram Your Microbiome to Restore Health, Lose Weight, and Turn Back the Clock. Uh, and it's very prescriptive, and it's not a lot of generalities that you've heard before. There's some real innovations here. And I got to commend you, uh, Dr. Davis, because um, uh, you are the consummate physician. You know, you're well-trained conventionally. Uh, You know, you know when to hold and when to fold when it comes to administering medication and uh, high-tech methods. Uh, But you've also uh, uh, gotten out of the box a little bit and uh, developed some specific innovations that uh, can really turn people's health around. So, uh, well, thank that, you for saying that. Yeah, no, in that spirit, I mean, I think that that ultimately is what doctors uh, really should be trained to be, uh, not just to follow uh, algorithms uh, and protocols, but to, uh, you know, critically evaluate the data, which you've done, and uh, come up with new and innovative ways to help patients. So you've achieved that. Wait, we need more doctors like Dr. Ronald Hoffman. That very, 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 uh, very well said. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're a mutual admiration society. So great stuff. I mean, you've had tremendous influence. Uh, a lot of people uh, have uh, uh, gotten off uh, the wheat bandwagon uh, and have improved their health. Uh, but it goes way beyond that. Because there, there are many steps to uh, regaining and optimizing health. Uh, Low-carbohydrate diet is a tool, uh, but we also need to pay attention to the microbiome. So you're taking, you're refining your, your work with this new book. And mention again your website because there's some good resources there. Sure. It's uh, Dr. Davis, D-R-Davis, 
infinitehealth.com. Okay, great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, we look forward to uh, an update from you uh, in the near future because you're a prolific guy. And I'm sure you're going to keep coming up with uh, new and exciting stuff to share with our audience. (laughs) And and thanks for doing your show. We need more material like your material because, you know, we can't talk about health anymore on a major on TV because of the tyranny of direct consumer drug advertising. Indeed. And there's a lot of what's termed uh, disinformation and misinformation, and that's obviously in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> True. So, uh, so we need to get this, uh, this information out. All right, good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Dr. Davis. Appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Best of luck with the new book. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. 